I'm Louisa. And I'm Harleen. And this is The Space Bar, your source for finding bite-sized tech tips, resources, and opportunities. For our very first season, we want to focus on a topic that's extremely relevant to you. So we'll be following some students along their internship journeys. Whether it's interning at a big tech, startup, doing software development, or working on personal projects, we have a wonderful group of students to hear from. This episode, we'll be talking to our lovely panelists on what they're doing and how they plan to make the most of their summer. Stick around to get some good tips on recruiting and just being a productive college student while remote. Hi everyone, thank you so much for coming. We are so excited to have you here today to be able to kick off our summer experience series here at the Space Bar. Um, this is gonna be the first of a few panels as we follow along our panelists throughout their summer um, and see what they're up to since they're doing a lot of various different things that we're very excited to hear about. Um, Herlene and I will be your hosts for today. We're both at the Space Bar. Um, I'm an editor at the Space Bar and Herlene, um, feel free to introduce yourself. Uh, yeah, I was one of the original co-founders of the Space Bar, um, and I guess a little bit of background of what we're doing, because Louisa and I are also both doing stuff this summer. Um, I'm doing tech consulting at PwC, and last year I did Code Plus for software engineering. Louisa, if you want to. Yeah, definitely. This year I am interning at um, software engineering also, but I am at Red Ventures, um, and last summer I was an IT intern at Merck, and the summer before that Code Plus. So also a heavy sweet background. Super. Um, so the general format of the panel today is we're just gonna start off with some general questions after, do, after we do the introductions of our panelists. And then we'll go into specific recruiting questions. You'll see that we have a lot of diverse roles here with, amongst our panelists. So we'll be going into suite, design and PM um, and whatever else is relevant to internships that our panelists will be doing this summer. If you have any questions during the panel, we just ask that you drop those in the chat and we will get to those either at the end or as we go along. Super. Um, all right, so just to start us off, we're gonna go ahead and get to know our panelists a little bit better. So we're gonna start with some intros. So for all our panelists, um, please say your name, your year, what you're doing this summer, um, and whether you are in person or remote. I can start. Hi everyone, my name is Sydney. I am a rising junior, which feels weird to say because I spent my whole sophomore year virtually. I'm doing the Explore internship through Microsoft and it's, I'm, I'm two and a half weeks in um, and it focuses on PM and software engineering. Uh, at Duke, I study computer science and biology. Um, I can go next. Um, my name is Akshara. I'm class of 2022, which means I'm a senior, which is also really crazy. Um, I'm doing software engineering at Twitch this summer, and I'm currently based in Seattle living with some friends. Um, and I study CS and stats at Duke. Hi, my name is Karina. I'm a rising sophomore. Um, I'm listed on the graphic as personal projects. But uh, not too long ago, I just got an internship for mobile app development at a running startup. So I can talk more about um, like just getting an internship late and in that uh, I'm currently working remotely and I'm staying um, in Long Island. Um, I'm Sarah Ann. I'm also a rising sophomore um, and this summer I'm working as a PM and um, like 
organizing programming at Tech for Equity, which is a Duke organization, um, and it's remote, and I'm currently based in Atlanta. And real quick, you'll see that there's four of uh, the panelists from the graphic at five. The last one, Z, is going to be a little late, so she's coming in um, a little further into the event, and she's doing a design fellowship with KP, so she's working with a startup. But yes, thank you guys for your interest. All right, super. So to get us started, um, we just want to talk a little bit more about ensuring work-life balance, because right now it can be really tough to get away from the computer and it's really easy to stay working, um, even when you're theoretically done with work at five. Um, so could you talk a little bit more about your plan? Um, and if you started already, what you've been actively doing to ensure a good work-life balance? I can start on this one. Um, so I think that it can be very hard to strike a good balance as an intern, because you obviously want to make a good impression and be considered potentially for a full-time offer or just a return internship. Um, ultimately, I think the most important thing to remember is that you're hired to do a job and they don't expect the job to consume your life. So for me, I have strict boundaries where I Every day, depending on when I start, so usually it'll be nine to five, but sometimes I'll start earlier and end later. Um, I find it very important for my own well-being to just be very clear with asserting my own boundaries. Like even in, uh, we use Microsoft Teams to communicate with people, and I have it in my little bio description that my working hours are nine a.m. to five p.m. Pacific time. People at the company I'm at are very respectful of that. I know at some other places it might not be the case, but ultimately I think you just have to take ownership for setting those strict boundaries for yourself because no one else will respect those boundaries unless you're setting them. Um, also, I think I, I work on a team with two other pod mates and one of them has crazy work hours and tries to, she'll, she'll typically work upwards of eight hours a day. And I've even found that we, we've had to talk to our management because they've outlined that they don't expect us to do that. I think just having that clear communication is really vital to not overworking yourself. I don't think it's reasonable to expect yourself to be working more than eight hours a day as long as you're getting in really good work and contributing to your team. That's really just what you're expected to do, what you're being paid for, or maybe even not what you're being paid for, but what you're expected to do. I completely agree that it's mostly just about like communication and setting boundaries. And I think one thing that really helps me is kind of planning ahead in terms of um, not letting myself stress out too much about deadlines and that kind of thing. Because if I kind of schedule my time and like kind of block out tasks for what I'm going to do in certain periods of time, then I feel less kind of like guilty, just like stopping at a certain point in the day. Um, and so just being able to set a hard boundary of, okay, I'm going to stop working at like 6 PM today. I feel a lot more capable of doing that if I have like a calendar that's really like I show myself that I've been productive during that day. Yeah, I definitely echo that too. Um, I think a lot of work-life balance is if you can use the time in the day like as productively as you can, then that means that you're likely not having to work too, too much extra or like work weekends. So usually I think for me, like it's really easy to get distracted working from home. So I try to like do little things like put my phone like in a separate place or just try and make sure I'm not getting distracted and have like 
set dedicated focus time. Like you can do things like the Pomodoro technique where you do like focus work for 25 minutes and then take like a break for five. Um, and I think like just trying out different strategies like that to see what makes you focus and just feel more productive throughout the day will also really help with work-life balance. Okay, thank you so much, y'all. Those are great suggestions. Um, following the same light, uh, it's, it's really easy to get fatigued over Zoom. Um, so what are some things that you're planning on doing to avoid Zoom fatigue? And in the same light, also doing to address your mental health because of that. One of the things that I've done that I think is kind of really helped me, and I did it a bit during like virtual classes, but have kind of tried to step up more since I've been working, is kind of creating like a fake commute for myself because I lived 20 minutes from my high school. So every morning and afternoon when I was going to and leaving school, I had a commute that I was used to. And obviously with Zoom, it's just like I can like roll out of bed and go onto my desk. Um, but I think it's really helpful for me if I don't let myself do that, if I make myself wake up earlier or I'm on EST and a lot of people I work with are on PST, which kind of lets me have later mornings and I have more time to kind of have a morning routine, but just making myself go make breakfast and have a breakfast routine or work out before I start working or just have kind of like things that I do between when I wake up and when I work, because then that also makes it easier to kind of like wind down and have a separation between time when I'm working and time when I'm doing stuff for me. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I'm obviously one of those people that's like guilty of, I wake up just for my first meeting of the day. So I, I think it's great that you're trying to find a way to like add some, so, like some sort of regularity or like separation. Um, but yeah, I, we have like a couple of more questions that we want to really like delve into like the nervous part about like being at an internship, like um, basically just like a lot of things that people are probably worried about whether or not this is their first internship. Um, so just to start off, what are you guys most nervous about, um, in your internship and how do you anticipate dealing with those nerves? Um, for me, I'd say one of the most, one of the parts that I'm most nervous about is just, uh, producing something good enough for the people that are in charge of me. And I guess a lot of that has to do with imposter syndrome, uh, for me, especially since this is like my first internship, or at least in this area, which is mobile app development. And um, especially since I don't have as much experience as I would like in that um, area, I think just, yeah, just producing like something that's good enough for me and good enough for uh, whoever's in charge. And I think to deal with that, I think I just have to like take a step back and understand that um, they hired me for a reason. And that they don't expect you to know everything um, from the start. Um, and it's a whole learning process. So you can just learn as you go. I completely agree with that. I think my primary source of nervousness is just wondering if I can commit to the deliverable that's expected of me and have something ultimately just that's polished and finished and impressive to my managers and my team. I think that's a completely normal concern. And I think that if people didn't have that concern, it'd probably be bad, honestly. I think it's good to have some sense of maybe not nervousness, but but um, some something that's really a strong impetus for you to work hard and put in what's required of you to deliver maybe not a finished project, but something that's actually can speak to the time you've put into your job. 
And like Karina said, I think it's important to just remember you're hired for a reason. Um, that can be really a really grounding thought to reconcile with in regards to this nervousness. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I know a lot of people that are just like that, that face imposter syndrome. And I think like the more people that you talk to or the more people you hear from, you realize that like everyone's kind of in the same boat and no one really knows like what they're doing. And most of the reason why they hired you is that they know that you'll learn. So I'm really glad that you guys said that. Um, I think another thing that a lot of people are nervous about are like making interactions with people, especially if you're remote. Um, a lot of like companies have programs to meet other interns, but like it's obviously not up to par like when we're online. So um, for those of you who are remote, do you have any tips on ways to meet other interns um, or even just like interacting with your manager or your team while online? Um, for Microsoft, we have something called being at work, which is like an enterprise version of Bing where we can search people in the company. And that's been a really useful tool. LinkedIn as well, just finding people who are taking on a similar role as me, maybe they're other Explorer interns or different interns within the company, or maybe they're like have um, higher leadership roles. I think the importance, the important thing to do is just reach out and kind of get yourself out there. People are typically more likely to be willing to meet than I think you'd initially assume. Um, Something that's been really helpful for me these past few weeks is just scheduling meetings with people I've had very minor interactions with, whether it be like via chat or I know that our teams are tangentially related, and that can definitely help to get a better sense of, of I guess, the, the role you're filling. Like The more people that you get to know and, and learn about their roles, the better I think you can be at your own and at communicating with everyone involved. Because there are so many moving parts, especially just from what I've learned these past few weeks, being at a big company, how many people are involved in deploying even the smallest feature. So I think just kind of getting yourself out there, sending a message, even if you're kind of nervous about whether or not someone would want to meet with you, chances are they're probably, they can, they can free up some time on their calendar for you. Yeah, thank you for that, Sydney. Um, yeah, I, I think a lot of people that I've talked to personally have talked about uh, if you're an intern and you reach out to people, they're like so welcome to, to talk to you, like make time for you because um, you're a part of the company. They want you to, to feel involved. So that's awesome. Um, and we've been talking a little bit about like this internship, but I know some of you guys have previous internship experience. Um, and is there anything that you regret or learned a lesson from last year? Um, and if so, like how are you planning on addressing that this summer? Yeah, um, I can take this one. So this is my third sweet internship. So I feel like I've definitely picked up some, some knowledge or things I wish I would have done better over the past two summers. So the first one I would say is um, just go the extra mile. I know that it's hard transitioning, especially from like college to a nine to five, but once you kind of get into the swing of things, um, I think it can show a lot of initiative if you just like take the extra step or take the extra mile on things. So an example of that would be if you're invited to team meetings and they don't necessarily like concern you. So as an example for me this summer, um, every Monday we have a meeting where we go over the on-call shift um, from the past week and on-call has nothing to do with my internship. But I realized that if I just like take 15 minutes to kind of 
like read through the doc for the meeting or just like kind of have a better understanding of what's going on. That means that I like actually understand what's going on at the meeting, but also can ask like informed questions, which can also show initiative and show that like you're paying attention and care. Um, the second thing I would say is this is definitely really hard remotely, but just try and be as social as you possibly can. Um, I think that like you tend to think of social in just the intern sense, but this summer um, I've made it like one of my goals to get to meet as many people as possible. Um, and each week I set up like two to three one-on-ones with people either inside my team, like outside my team, um, people in different roles, like people in the same role. And it's just been a really great way to like form more connections and honestly, just like get to know more people and get a better understanding of the company I'm at as well. Um, the third thing I'd say is, um, I think that a lot of people tend to think about internships and your goals as just the return offer, but I think your internships are definitely so much more than just aiming for that return offer. I think if you really, really focus on just like getting to know the company, getting to know people and getting to learn, I think these three things will take you a lot further than just focusing on trying to get a return offer because you'll generally put in a lot more work and be more excited every day too. Um, and then the last thing I'll say, sorry, I'm going kind of long, is um, documentation is key. Um, I think I did a really bad job of this the past two summers where I would not really write stuff down, but whether it be like your meetings with your manager or mentor, like I think taking, sorry, my discord's going off, but um, I think taking that extra time to just like take some notes right after and be able to reflect on them or Every day I write like a little daily log as to like what I've done, what I hope to do and little notes like that. And that'll really help you also when you're done with your internship and have to talk about it in your resume. Um, it's really helpful for being able to reflect on that and remember like the kind of work you did for just to be able to talk about that. I really love that suggestion. I hear that a lot too at the end of the summer and you can't even remember like anything you did that summer. So that is definitely a must have. Um, and also I loved how your, your third and second points completely tied together. Cause if you're not talking to people around the company then there's not really a great way to know what it's like working at the company as a full-time employee versus those 10, 10 or 12 weeks you get there. So definitely maximizing those networking opportunities and reaching out to people. Um, but another, another way we need to reach out to people when we're interning is being able to like ask questions or ask for feedback on projects. Um, and that can be something that we as interns struggle to do a lot, especially if we are suffering from things like imposter syndrome. Um, so I'd love to hear um, for, for you, for you all, how do you know when to ask the right questions or when to ask for feedback and how do you go about that? I think honestly, anytime, even when you think you know something, I feel like there can be a lot of things that are lost in translation. Even just the fact that most of us are, if not all of us are virtual right now. Um, I think that that makes it easier and harder to get help easier because usually your, your mentors or your managers are only a chat away. Whereas before you may have had to go to their office and it's more of a big deal to ask help. So I think just definitely because it's so much easier to get in contact with people who can help you along the way, definitely make sure that you are, anytime you have a question or concern, you're, you're being proactive about it. I think just thinking 
about having questions in a positive light is helpful too, because sometimes it's really easy to just feel stupid if you have a question or don't understand something, but you'll feel way more stupid down the line if you never ask the question and then end up being in a situation where you're expected to know something that you don't. So just being proactive about it is very, very important. And I guess that kind of can only happen if right from the start, you create clear lines of communication with you and whoever you're working with. So that's very important in the beginning of an internship or any type of project to do. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that, Sydney. Um, so besides learning, which is something that we, we all really hope for when we're going into our internships and being able to ask those questions, what are some of your other goals for this summer through your internships and your experiences? Yeah, um, I can start. So kind of like I said, um, I've really been trying to reframe my goals as removed from just like focusing on a return offer, but a lot more focused on like learning and also just building connections. So I think my first goal for the summer is to just gain full stack experience. Um, my past two internships were fully back end development. So um, I asked my manager kind of at the beginning of the summer if I'd be able to do more full stack work and I am getting to do that on my project. So everything from like writing a tech design document to presenting that um, all the way to like the back end side of things. So that's one of them. Um, the second thing for me is I am a senior. So that means I'll be doing full-time work starting next summer, which is kind of crazy. But because of that, I am really just trying to prep for like the next step, um, which is becoming you know a full-time new grad software engineer. So that includes um, things like just getting more experience presenting my work. Um, I think developing my skills technically to a little bit of a higher level than maybe when I was preparing for my next internship. And um, the third thing too, like I said, is um, just being more social, getting to know my team better, um, making that effort to get to individually meet as many people as I can, but also just participating a lot more in meetings. So to like, I guess, like summarize that, like be more social and try and get to meet more people um, just gain full stack experience and gain, I guess, experience for what full-time software engineering looks like. I can echo that focus on just learning and getting experience. This is my first true technical work experience like Karina. And it's pretty overwhelming because coding in an enterprise environment where there's so many different code bases and you don't quite know how everything kind of jives together versus doing a standalone CS project. Those are very different experiences. So I think ultimately I'm just trying to absorb as much of the, the information that's thrown at me and it can be overwhelming, but ultimately I think it's the most rewarding part of the experience. Like Akshara mentioned earlier, I think she's super right about that, focusing on learning versus or learning rather than just getting a return offer, I think is super important. Definitely. Yeah, that was awesome. Especially going out of your way to try to do that. I was like really impressed that um, you said that you told your manager like kind of right away what your goals are. And I think having that communication, like you also said, Sydney, is so important going into our internships. Um, but with, with all the goals that we do have, summer can go by really fast. Like you said, it's over in like 10 to 12 weeks. 
So what are some things that y'all are going to do to check your own progress as you go on into your summer and reflect on the work that you're doing? One thing that I'm trying to do is just kind of to use natural like checkpoints. So like Tech for Equity is a 10 week program. So for the projects, there are kind of checkpoints at like week three, week six, week nine. And so this is the third week. So at the end of this week, like over this weekend, um, I'm planning to kind of like assess some of my goals because I kind of like set out some goals for myself, kind of similar to what Sydney and Akshar were mentioning about like learning and making sure I'm getting the most of the experience. Um, and so just kind of reflecting on my goals and how I'm making progress, because I think the thing that can be really hard is if you set a goal at the beginning and then you don't check in on it and you don't kind of make it a daily priority, it can be easy to kind of lose sight of the goal you set in the first place. So to check my progress, I'm just kind of trying to check in regularly on how the things I'm doing every day align with my long-term goals. Yeah, and to echo that too, um, totally agree with everything that Sarah Ann said. Um, on the topic of goal setting, I think it's really important to work backwards and take like, what are your big goals and how can you break them into like week by week goals? And that's something that I've set up with my manager where um, we have two one-on-ones each week. So at the very first one, um, I, before the meeting, like write down my goals for the week, technical and non-technical, and then go over with, go over them with him. And that's also kind of a good way to just see if like, I'm on the same page as my manager and kind of up to par with like what he's expecting. And then at the end of the week, um, I think it's really, really important for you to self-evaluate. Um, you can get as much like external feedback as you want, which I'll talk about in a second. But I think um, my manager also said that one of the traits of like, a really good intern is to just be able to be self-reflective and also understand like your strengths and your weaknesses. So every Friday, like once I'm done with work, I try and take like five minutes to just reflect on the week and what I think like went well and what I want to improve on. And the last thing I'll say too is establish really good communication with your mentor or manager to the point where you feel comfortable asking for feedback. Um, I think it's also really important to regularly kind of check in and just um, see if your self-evaluation aligns with like feedback from your mentor and manager. Thank you guys both for that. I think it's really awesome that you guys are being like really intentional about setting those goals. I know a lot of people can just like mentally say, this is what I want to do, but not be able to verbalize it and also like be able to track it like over time. Um, and I feel like that's what really makes you know, like sets you up for success. Um, but real quick, this is actually really good timing because we're about to switch kind of like from our question type to like more specific stuff. Um, Z is here. So um, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, that'd be lovely. Hi everyone, um, my name is Z. I'm also a rising senior. Um, this summer I'm working at Google as a UX design intern. Um, I'll be remote, um, but I'm currently located in New York. Actually, Herlene's sweet mate or roommate. So yeah, super happy to see everyone and excited to talk with y'all about my summer experience. Perfect, thank you. Um, but yes, uh, we were just moving a little bit from like general questions to more um, specific stuff. Like we talked about in the beginning, we have a lot of different types of people here. Like we have people who are more interested in software, design, product management. And I know a lot of people are interested um, about like the recruitment aspect of it. So one kind of question we wanted to ask everyone is kind of delving into like skills behind every um, position. So just to start off with, um, this is also a question that was submitted through the Airtable. Uh, what are the most useful technical skills to master for a career in software engineering? If anyone wants to take that. 
Yeah, um, I can get started, and I promise this is like the last time you'll hear from me. Um, but no, yeah, you're I think... too insightful, Akshara. <laughs> Thank <Keep> you. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think the very first thing that I'll say that I learned was that school like really did not teach me how to properly debug and test my code, um, like at all. Like I remember my first internship my manager was like, oh, like, just like try out print statements. And I was like, I, I really don't know what that is. Um, so I think the best ex- way to gain that experience prior to an internship is working on your own projects. Um, I think that gives you the opportunity to learn a lot of what you don't get to learn in the classroom. Um, like I think learning get learning your how to navigate like your command line, learning debugging and testing are all really great skills that you can pick up through working on your own side projects or Honestly, like even in the first couple of weeks of work, um, especially if this is your first internship or even if it is like your junior year internship, I think a lot of managers and mentors understand that work is very different than school life. So I'd kind of focus on getting those skills um, and they'll really, really help you too. Um, and then on kind of like less of a super technical level, but more of a general level, um, I think really knowing how to use your resources is really helpful. Um, and getting away from just kind of um, like, how do I put this? Um, so let's say that you're trying to debug something. I think it's really important to first be able to like properly, you know, check out Stack Overflow, like check out documentation at work, um, just like use all of those possible resources before maybe like going to your mentor for questions. Um, and that also gets you into the practice of being resourceful and kind of utilizing your environment as well. Um, and the last non super technical thing I'll say is also learning how to take feedback. Um, a lot of you, if you're in SWE, will go through code review, which basically means that like other engineers will comment on your work and you have to kind of take that feedback and be able to improve upon that. And because a lot of schoolwork is like individual or smaller projects, it might be a little bit daunting at first to like get a bunch of comments from like a senior software engineer. Um, but I think just learning how to be okay and like take feedback in a really like healthy and constructive manner will also help you develop your skills as well. Um, yeah. Thanks, Akshara. No, that was really practical. Um, and I really like how you compared what you learned in your internship that you didn't necessarily get in school. And I don't want to put you on the spot with like a follow-up question, but I do want to know um, like what you would say. Uh, is there any way that you can really develop those technical skills, like not in school, but not in an internship either? Uh, like, is there a way to do that through personal projects or anything? Yeah, 100%. Um, I actually think like personal projects are probably the best way to do that. Um, and I think like the best possible would, way to do that would be if you can like build a really end to end project. And what I mean by that is if you can build like a full stack, really simple like web application, as an example, where you learn how to like write a tech document, like you learn how to, you know, like understand a little bit of front end, understand a little bit of back end, like understand how they work together. But more importantly through this, like you'll just learn how to like debug and test, like you'll learn how to really use resources because when you're doing a project on your own, like all you have is really the internet to help you out. But that's also a great practice in like using your environment. And um, I think it's also a really good idea, like if you're able to work on it with someone else, like a friend or a peer, um, I think that gives you really good experience with learning how to work in a team or learning how to take feedback, learning how to give feedback and just learning how to be like a good team player as well. So, yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for that. Um, but yeah, I also, 
Oh yeah, go ahead. Something super quick. Okay, so yes to everything Akshara said, but something that I think, well, first of all, also I just dropped something in the chat. Louisa just wrote a really great article about uh, starting personal projects. So I sent a link to that in the chat if you guys want to check it out. But also um, something that I found throughout my time interviewing and just getting more entrenched in the tech world is that um, I found, at least in my own experience, upon learning how to be preparing for interviews and to take on these roles, is that you need to be very technically advanced and savvy. But I think something that is not discussed enough is how important effective communicating is. Even just in interviews, the ability to talk through a solution you're thinking through, um, just like minor things like we've talked a lot about establishing effective communication with people on your team or your managers. Communication, I think, and technical skills are like right on par in their importance and communication tends to be overlooked. So definitely just being able to effectively verbalize your thought processes specifically, like that's so integral to performing well in a technical interview. It's not just about writing out the perfect solution. Um, because sometimes you can't get to the perfect solution, but if you're able to supplement your code with the right type of thought process that you can effectively convey to your interviewer, I think that's super, super important and valuable. Yeah, thank you for that. I'm actually gonna drop it in the chat, but uh, I'm sure a lot of people have heard about this, but it's like Google did a survey on its employees and found that like the top characteristics that define good employees were not necessarily technical skills, but more soft skills. and how they communicated and worked on a team. So like would also um, plus one to everything that they said and I would highly recommend like looking into that. Um, but yeah, thank you guys both for that. Um, and moving away from software engineering a little bit more into design because we have some design people um, in the Zoom. Um, how have you guys grown your design skills while at Duke? And like, what did you guys do personally or what like resources on campus did you use to develop? I can start. Um, so for my experience, um, I don't think Duke offered a lot of design resources. One of the most important um, or the most valuable thing I had was um, Dr. Shani B. Daly's course. It's called Human Center Computing. Um, it's listed under EC and CS 590. Um, and that course is basically split into half, half design, and the other half was actually implemented and coding it out. So that first like half was really helpful. Um, she basically walked through the whole design process. Um, and I was also actually able to do like one, of, one full case study throughout the whole process, so, which was really cool to me, um, definitely super helpful. But on top of that, I'm gonna drop a link in the chat. Um, it's written by Vicky Liu. She's amazing, uh, ex-senior who just graduated um, and she, basically put together this whole design handbook um, with most of the useful resources here at Duke. There are not many, um, but hopefully are helpful to other people that you can um, kind of go through, look through everything, and then kind of learn more about design throughout the whole process. Um, and there are also some people who are attached to it that um, are the rare designers at Duke you can find. Um, and yeah, and on top of that, um, currently trying to start a college called Design at Duke, hoping to gather all the resources. We were a little bit inactive last semester because my co-founder was on a leave to do his gap, to do her gap year, but 
hopefully we'll get that started or set up next year. Um, and yeah, and that's basically my experience, but Katarine, uh, Karina, if you have any more what things you wanted to share. Um, I guess I can just speak more on a beginner standpoint because um, I definitely say that my first real experience designing was uh, just start just starting out at the space bar and doing graphic design. Um, yeah, so I think the most important thing for my improvement was just working on a lot of personal things and just doing things for fun. I think just like not taking design too seriously, like still seriously, but just having fun with it too so you don't lose um, that creativity as you're designing. Um, I think that's a big part of it, but yeah, just like working on whatever whatever designs that you want to work on. And for me, I use just a lot of uh, YouTube videos. I watched a lot of YouTube videos for help. Um, and yeah, that's just how I improved. Uh, thank you guys for that. Uh, yeah, I know that there is not that much uh, design, like like explicit resources that are available. So it's really helpful to hear both of you guys who are both really good designers, including Karina, even though she says she's a beginner, um, have like developed throughout the years. Um, and then moving into product management, because that's also one, um, what skills or experience do you think an undergrad needs to get into product management? I think uh, something important is just having some strong foundational knowledge on how to conduct research not necessarily as stringent as having done academic research yourself, but even just the skills you get from doing a research essay, those skills translate very well to market research, I've found in the past few weeks of doing PM work. Um, yeah. Awesome, yeah. Um, I'm actually gonna skip around a little bit because you talked about market research and um, stuff that you do as a PM. I do want to, talk about specifically like the PM role because um, it's very variable like depending on what company that you're at and a lot of people don't really even know what PM is like to this day. Um, so the people who are doing PM, could you guys talk about um, what it actually means and in, in detail like what you do as a product manager? For my role right now, as I mentioned, market research is super important, but also um, another important skill is creating good presentations and being able to wireframe are really useful just because at least how my team works and how PM is at Microsoft, you're kind of the, the creative instigator of these technical projects. So how, how my internship is working is we have a few weeks of PM and we're creating ideas for features that we wanna implement and then choosing one to implement um and then actually writing the code so basically what we've just been doing is kind of iterating through different ideas um looking at what competitors have to offer i'm i'm on the bing at work team so i've been looking at a lot of different google offerings um seeing what because google is a far more preferred web browser than bing right now so kind of just seeing ways that we can become more competitive with them just kind of being opportunistic about features that could be useful for us to integrate into our web browser. Um, just being creative, I think, um, which felt strange at first, not gonna lie, because coming from a more technical background where 
you don't you don't really learn anything about PM work in school. It's kind of uncomfortable, but I feel like it's much easier to get the hang of than if you were for like where the situation were vice versa, where you had PM experience but had to jump into like a technical software development role. It's much easier to be doing it this way. And like also just understanding what what might be entailed in a project idea you have technically, like the the workload you would have that can help come up with more rational, realistic goals you can set for yourself in regard to these projects that you're you're thinking about undertaking. Um, I think my role is a bit different than Sydney's because instead of designing stuff for consumers or for like specific users, um, as the PM, I'm working directly with some of the clients at Tech for Equity, which are nonprofits that are receiving like apps designed for them. And so a lot of the specifications that I have to like help communicate to the engineers are coming from the clients. So it can feel like at times like I'm kind of playing an elaborate game of telephone where I'm like passing things back and forth between the engineers and the clients. But um, a lot of what I've been, I worked on before the engineers were on the project. And what I've been working on is just making sure that the engineers don't have to do the like difficult communicating with the clients and can focus on achieving actual deliverables with um, the programming and can, and I'm the one who kind of like helps them figure out what is feasible and helps them like translate the client's like idea, which is just like, we would like an app into something that's feasible within the program. Awesome, thank you guys. Yeah, that's really insightful, especially for those who like might not know um, what PMing is like. Um, Louisa, do you wanna move a little bit more into other recruiting questions that we have? Yeah, definitely. Um, so transitioning a little bit away from PM now, thank you guys so much for sharing that. I know it was super helpful for people interested in PM. We're going to dive a little bit more into um, SWE for a bit. So for those of you familiar with the SWE recruiting timeline, could you talk a little bit more about what that's like and going through that process? I think the, the timeline at least depends mostly on the type of company you are applying for because the bigger companies start recruiting very early. Like I'm already prepping for interviews that are coming up for positions for next summer. Um, so basically an entire year out, which is pretty crazy, I think. Um, but I also know that, and I think, um, I know this might not be SWE related, but Karina mentioned she start, she got an internship offer later. And I think it'd be interesting to hear about that timeline for her. But um, I know startups tend to be recruiting typically closer to the end of the year. So basically the whole academic year, you can be applying to different positions, which, which can be useful, I think, um, especially if you're interested in maybe looking into both types of like bigger and smaller companies so that not everything is condensed into one very specific recruitment timeframe. But um, yeah, that, that's a bit on, on the timeline, I would say. Yeah, um, I can kind of second that and also say definitely like if you're interested in the bigger tech companies, um, yeah, probably around like honestly some some open even as early as like July to August, which I know is kind of crazy. But um, yeah, I think the majority of like bigger tech companies start recruiting a little bit earlier. But to provide some perspective too, um, like I got all my internship offers in November last year, which for me, like felt a little bit later than I was expecting, but Twitch didn't even open 
their application until November. So there's a lot of companies that might start later. So I think like the best thing that you can do for yourself is start to like make a list of companies that you're potentially interested in and just like take a look at their recruiting sites to see um, when their applications open so that you are pretty prepared for that timeline and can again kind of work backwards to see like okay like if google opens in august like and i know that i need like you know two months before i'm comfortable like interviewing um then you know that you want to start interviewing like two months before that so um and again like again to echo something that sydney said that maybe karina can talk about more too um don't be stressed if like you know it's october and november and like everyone around you has gotten internship offers and you haven't yet. Um, I know that feeling and I know it's really stressful, but there are so many amazing companies that start their recruiting process a little bit later, or there's a lot of really cool startups that are recruiting throughout like the whole school year. So there's kind of no shortage of opportunities available. Um, and I think if you're pretty open-minded um, and consider everything kind of a learning experience, that also helps you not like limit yourself off from you know a variety of opportunities as well. Yeah, I can definitely speak more to that. So for my current internship, um, I did I got probably about two weeks ago and the application process was just um, the I just applied on LinkedIn. I sat down one day and just sent out a bunch of applications to uh, jobs that I was interested in. And it's definitely not too late. Um, even uh, the other day, I just sent out a couple of other applications and still got responses. So if you're still looking for stuff, I think um, there's definitely a chance that you can find something as long as you put in the effort and just even just send out send out the applications. Um, another thing that I did was I cold emailed a bunch of people. Um, I again I leveraged LinkedIn by finding people that had uh, were hiring in their profiles, um, and I think that's definitely a good way to reach out and uh, find good opportunities. Incredible. Thank you guys so much for sharing that. It's it's definitely comforting, I hope, for a lot of listeners to also hear that there's really no shortage of positions out there, no matter what time of year it is. Um, so great things to hear. Transitioning away a little bit from the SWE recruitment, um, for design, we know the process is a little bit different. So for those of you that are working in design, how did you find mentors to help you with your portfolio and to kind of guide you through the design recruitment process? Yeah, um, absolutely. So when I started off building out my portfolio, I actually started off by stalking other people's portfolio, like see those one close to you, your friend or like upperclassmen who did that before you or like some random portfolios that came online. Um, and there are a couple of websites that to people would like to share those, like Cofolio, I can drop the link later on. Um, and then once you get that started and have like a few case studies you've done in, um, you can start by inviting people. Like if you feel more comfortable, it can be your professor who is more on the visual side or a CS professor who had worked in the industry before, like they would be, if they're willing to help, that would be amazing. Um, and if you're more comfortable, like having a random person that you don't know who doesn't really like, or like you don't want them to judge you based on what they know about you before. Um, there are also a couple of websites um, online where people host or like they drop in their cat only invites that you can kind of just like book a time with them and they're designed just like, like absolutely for you. And then they wouldn't say anything like about your 
like personality or anything like that. They're super professional. Um, some things that I can think of is Amazing Design People List. Um, it's an amazing organization and they have a lot of mentors and designers from various companies ranging from big tech to startups. Um, also UX Coffee Chats. Um, and I'll just drop the link in the chat. Hope that will be helpful. Um, but yeah, that's what I like went through and what I knew of, but Thank you for that, Z. Yeah, I know um, because obviously she's my roommate, so we've talked about this, but she has benefited greatly from just like people and like the community she's found online. And I think that I found that a lot of designers are really nice with like exchanging portfolios, giving feedback, that kind of thing. So I think that's a great resource, especially if we don't have that many at Duke. Um, but yeah, um, moving a little bit away from, I know we've done general questions, recruiting questions, and um, there's a lot of people that might be doing personal projects. So we also want to address um, that kind of demographic and, and talk a little bit more about those. Um, so we specifically wanted to ask, like to start off, like, where do you even get an idea for a new project? And uh, maybe for people who are new, what kind of projects are like better to start with? Um, I think one of the one of the first projects that I first started out doing was just uh, creating my own personal website, and I think that was just a really good way to like um, to to get my skills better on just coding uh, for front end front end web design and just uh, designing the website. Um, other than that, I think just uh, just coming up, just doing whatever you want, really. Uh, for your projects, for example, I I was planning on uh, making a website based on this TV show that I had been watching, and for that I was like prototyping and I started out coding. So I really think just um, doing anything that you think about that would be fun or that could show off your skills would be good. Something to add to is I think um, I've done one personal project that I had fun with. And I think going into it, I, this was, this was my coming out of my freshman year. So I had like zero technical experience, um, at least um, in regards to work. Um, and I was very overwhelmed by the idea of starting a personal project because it seemed like everyone who had done a personal project created something really insanely cool. That was very, had like extreme technical value and was somehow deployed and you could like actually kind of interact with it but I realized and I think this is important to realize um, a, a technical or a personal project doesn't have to be of that scale it can be something scaled down far more um, especially if you're just beginning to to garner some technical skills so the one that I did was I pulled local um, county data um, relating to COVID cases and um tried to tie that to like socioeconomic class and like income by zip code. And, and it was kind of data science-y um, even though I really had like no experience working um, in like our, our studio and, and that type of data analysis. Um, I think just, just not being overwhelmed by the idea of a personal project is really key to starting one too. Um, and Louisa, I know maybe you could, I know you're, you're a moderator, Louisa, but you could maybe even talk about the project you did with your books because it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think the key thing for me when working on personal projects is actually exactly what you said, Sydney, about just starting really small. Because for me, the project that I talk about in my article, which is um, 
basically like a web app I made to help me find books in summary. Um, it started off really small just for me as like a Python script. So something really simple. It was like maybe like 30 lines max. Um, and then I just like wanted to be able to share it with people. And that's when I started learning those other skills. So I think really just starting simple and small can be a really great way to be able to expand and also gain confidence in those personal projects. Because also like Sydney said, it can be really intimidating to start off at first. Um, so really working on building your confidence by starting with what you know, I think worked really well for me and then proving to yourself like, okay, yeah, I'm fully capable of like doing this thing on my own and doing something that's not like ATPs um, or just like CS homework is, is really empowering and then gives you those skills to be able to move forward. I totally agree with that. And I just kind of wanted to add that when I think about like personal projects, one thing that kind of helped me was um, like, I haven't done kind of like a big personal project where I built anything, but um, when people say personal projects, it's really easy to think that they only mean like building a complete thing and it only like counts as a personal project that you've learned something from if it's done but even things that don't work out and you just spend a couple hours messing around with something because you think it's cool or like looking into something or reading about something I think that even if that's not like a personal project that can go in your resume that's experience it's really useful to help you learn about what's interesting to you and what it like you are interested in doing in the future perfect thank you guys um See, I know you unmuted a little bit earlier. Do you also have anything to add? Quickly, hackathons. <laughs> that's what got me started, but yeah. Awesome, yeah, that's also a great way to keep yourself accountable. That's the first time I ever did anything technically that was outside of school. And even though I really only just use like Photoshop and like kind of looked at HTML, CSS, that's like more I would have done if I like hadn't done the hackathon. So I completely agree. Um, and a little bit also on uh, personal projects and for people who are maybe beginners, how do you start a project when you maybe like don't feel that you necessarily have the design or development skills to do one? Um, and what resources did you use to learn the things that you needed to do for those projects? I can start on that, kind of continue on the hackathons. I really think hackathons are really helpful, well, at least for me to really push myself. And surprisingly, when I don't know if it's still the same virtually, but when it happened in person, they had so many different speaker events, like workshops to actually help you. Like even if you can't have a fully furnished thing pushing out at the end, they still want to push you forward with whatever's on your mind or whatever solution that you want to build. Um, so I think that's a really good way to get yourself started, even if you can't fully understand or you can't just get this book to run. It's a really meaningful way to like engage yourself in the environment, to push yourself to learn and to like kind of learn about like even learn about what tools you can use to like achieve that like thing you want to do is really helpful, like building upon the next step or it's um, whatever is a personal project or it's like like kind of like the internship work you're doing. Um, I think that was really meaningful or helpful to me. So, yeah. Um, and I think I also definitely felt like the, the nervousness of just like starting out um, doing a personal project. Um, even when I was coding my personal website, I was kind of procrastinating that during winter break. But um, I think the most important thing is just like just going head first and just starting out. Even if you don't really know what you're doing, what you're doing, a lot of people just don't know what they're doing. But that's okay. And um, I think 
that's uh, the thing about personal projects is that you're learning as you're going. And the most important thing about the personal project is what you get out of it in terms of like what you're learning um, as you do the project. Um, for my personal projects, I just used a lot of online resources for iOS, I would say like Code with Chris, um, and I just used a lot of YouTube videos again and like W3 uh, schools for uh, learning languages. Great, thank you so much to everyone for sharing things about personal projects. And I think something that is also great to reiterate about personal projects is having fun, which is what I hope you all had today at our panel. Um, so we are coming up on our one hour mark and I just wanna thank all our panelists again for taking the time out of your night to talk to us um, and our listeners. I think there was so much valuable experience and advice that you guys shared that I can't wait for us to um, upload to our podcast episode and share with even more people. We will be sending out um, the different resources that were dropped in the chat. Thank you so much for everyone who did drop some links. I think all of our subscribers could benefit from those. So thank you so much for everyone for coming out and have a great rest of your Wednesday night. You can follow us on Instagram at the underscore spacebar underscore and read our articles on Medium at catalystspacebar.medium.com. The Spacebar podcast is co-hosted by me and me, audio edited by John, featuring original music by Sam. Thanks for listening and see you next time.